Welcome to the Spicy PL Podcast. Welcome back to the Spicy PL Podcast. Today, we're doing a spicy quad pod with a couple guests. A couple, hopeful, hopefully new regulars to the Spicy PL Pod. I mean, we got Scott Dobbins. Second Ayo. pod ever. Second pod. Scott. And we've, we've been hoping to get this other gentleman on the podcast for quite some time now. A legend in his own right, Mr. Ian Bell. Yo. We thought that Ian is... Uh, too upstanding of a gentleman and too much of a good person really to be on the spicy pl pod with us heathens but he agreed so we take the opportunity yeah (laughs) so this is episode 44 we just wanted to mention sponsored by quest nutrition and athletics so check out their website quest uh nutrition dash dash athletics uh quest dash nutrition.com yeah find that shit and find find mung powerlifter too yeah, hit up Monk Power if don't bother him. And get some shit from them. Yeah. They got wrap rollers and equipment. I saw Vang on Instagram today boiling sausages and shit, trying to gain weight. So yeah, just man. say what up. So we called this podcast, it's a little bit of an emergency quad pod. Yeah, we were we were gonna we were gonna maybe have like get back to like our regular every other episode, have a guest and you know, just talk powerlifting. But um it's Sunday night right now, last Thursday. That seemed like there was an emergency Zoom meeting, um, which included the uh, USAPL executive committee and then all the state chairs. So it was a pretty big Zoom meeting. And, um, you know, usually shit goes down and we hear about it and everybody's like, yeah, but you can't talk about it on the pod because they know we're like grimy and we're looking for, you know, scoops. So they, they tell us specifically. But this this is public information. So. We want to talk about it because it's kind of alarming and it's related to what we've been talking about like the last two episodes. And the last two episodes, we did a lot of talk about the current and shit, but we ain't going to talk about um, untested today. Well, you know. You never know. We'll see where the conversation leads us, but the the main topic we want to cover. IPF future is untested, but that's, you know, that's that's opinion, right? It's optics. By the way, Scott, you were on the call, were you not? I was on the call. You're uh, the Texas state chair. That's right. There was the, the, so the NGB voting members, for those of you who don't know, are comprised of the, the EC members, which I believe there's 11 of them. And that's your president, vice president, treasurer, and then just general EC positions, plus the state chairs for every state. And I think every state has a chairman right now or chairwoman. And then there's the committee chairs that get it. And I believe that's teen collegiate and masters are also get up. So there was like about 70 people on this call. Yeah, 60 or 70. We, we couldn't actually see. They kept everything hidden from us, but they said it was a pretty good turn. I mean, it was an important thing. So yeah, at least we were on there. Yeah, but it seems like it'd be hard to have a conversation with 70 people. But you know, that's why we couldn't talk. So it was through a Zoom webinar. And so if we wanted to ask questions, we had to fill out a like type it in and then Larry would read them. Larry Melee. Yeah. So Larry was running the call. Yeah. All right. Well, it sounded like, and you know, I, I got some documents on the underground, you know, some letters that the IPF sent, some, some conditions. WikiLeaks. Yeah. And then basically another document that seemed like it was produced by the USAPL, which was like kind of like a rebuttal, but to send out to their members, like it was called like drug testing assumptions. Scott, did you see that document? 
Yeah, I saw that. That one came before the latest IPF letter that you're referring to. Yeah. So what's the deal with the IPF letter? You know, can you kind of explain that? Yeah, essentially they're reiterating that with the 2021 WADA code, we are obligated to follow it on January 1st, 2021, because the IPF signed up for it and we're a subset of them. So therefore we're bound by their decisions. And so they reminded us of that. And then they went on to say that they have reason to believe we've been doing what they deem unauthorized tests. And if we have been doing unauthorized tests, then we need, we have at the time of the letter, seven days to disclose the details of those tests, who they are, blood or urine, all that information. And then after that, it went on to say that if in the uh, event that we had done unauthorized tests, we had 21 days to basically respond and justify why we did those tests. So obviously we've been doing unauthorized tests this entire year, right? I mean, you could think that. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Maybe. It's, a it's a little it's a little gray in my opinion on how they word these things, but it, it's of really no consequence. They they call out they emphasize national events and collegiate nationals utilized USADA. So I don't know. I think there's a little gray area in there. Maybe that. Maybe we didn't do any unauthorized tests because all you care about and as written is the national level, but that just kicks the can down the road. But yeah, know, well, they, why, they did like, why did collegiates use USADA? I can't really speculate on that because I wasn't involved in the decision making. I assume that it would, it would reason that the uh, executive wanted to try it out. You know, hey, they're wanting us to do this. Uh, let's try out USADA. They did mention that, I guess... Um, our meets in Chicago also use utilize some third party uh, service. I didn't get tested in Chicago because I lifted like shit and got fourth. Did you? I don't remember, man. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I got hit in the head with a bat every time I'm done with a meet. I don't really remember if I got tested or not. <laughs> I can just, I, I can only assume that it was to try it out. Yeah. But there was, I mean, there were some issues with that. Like Charles Schuford, didn't get tested despite setting two or three American records in the open category. Mm -hmm. they, didn't they didn't test him. They didn't think that he was worthy of that. Despite he smelled that. like fresh linens, so they didn't test him. Probably, yeah. Maybe they just <laughs> he was smelled too clean. His skin was clear. <laughs> yeah, his skin was clear. It wasn't, it wasn't red or wrinkly or yeah. <laughs> rough. <laughs> Wrinkles were on his brain, not on his head. Yeah. So, I mean, originally once we heard all this stuff, with USAPL IPF, we were like, ah, oh, there's no way. There's no way the USAPL is going to leave the IPF. Like, don't worry about it. Like, this, the shit that was getting posted on the USAPL web, uh, Instagram is probably just some intern, but turns out it was someone pretty high up uh, in the USAPL. And after listening to Larry on Two White Lights, I don't know if you caught that, Scott, he sounded pretty serious that he um, felt there were some sticking points that he really wanted to stick to his guns on and that the current situation is that we're having a negotiation with the IPF and if they're unwilling to budge on certain sticking points, you know, Larry sounded like he was pretty in favor of us detaching from the IPF. I came to the same conclusion as well when I listened to the podcast and it was reaffirmed in the call. Yeah. And I mean, um, I think I felt like we wouldn't 
necessarily just jump ship so quickly because I think number one, because of normalcy bias, like is like for 15 years, it's been this way. Uh, the 15 years that I've been, I've been in the USAPL. I mean, it's been that way for way longer. Right. Um, so you assume that like cooler heads would prevail, but it sounds like after this call that not only is, you know, the USAPL president, Larry, um, who we all have a personal relationship with. And I think we're, you know, we generally think he's, he's a pretty intelligent and nice guy, but, uh, he sounds pretty convinced to leave. And then it also sounds like the executive committee as a majority sounds like they're ready to leave. That was what the impression that I got as well. The, in, in the call, which lasted two hours and 45 minutes. And all we discussed was this. That was it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it was a big deal. Um, but I it, think the surprising thing about the call is that it's, I mean, I think we all assumed that a lot of this was going to come to a head at the NGB on um, June 20th down in Daytona. But it sounds like, you know, there was a date in one of these IPF letters uh, that we needed to, you know, show compliance with all these conditions by May 12th, <laughs> which right now it's May 9th. And so it seems like that by May 12th, we may be officially declaring that we are not going to comply rather than um, keep negotiating. Is that kind of true or is that too, is that overstating it? I don't think it's overstating it. Um, one, one key takeaway that Larry and the EC wanted to make perfectly clear was is that this thing would come to a head before the NGB. Yeah. Unequivocally, it will, something will happen before then. And so, can all, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the majority of the EC sounds like they're on board. Larry, you know, Larry sounds like he's kind of on board. What was the sentiment of the state chairs? Because I think that's kind of where most of the, I guess, average lifters that don't really have much connection can express their opinion and wants, I guess, is to their state chairs. I mean, how did they feel? So there was, we, there was only uh, about half of us that were kind of keeping touch throughout the call. And the, there wasn't a specific question asked, like, do we want to leave right now? It was more like, do you think you could make this decision tonight? And everybody that voted said, no, we, we cannot make this decision tonight. We, need to continue thinking about this but the so the, the state chairs granted we haven't been in the loop a whole much for the most part we've been watching instagram just like you guys have and this was the the ec said they had this phone call to kind of just give us a little bit of insight into what it's like to work with the ipf which they deem is a, a pretty abusive relationship mm-hmm. if this was any other type of relationship you would pack your bags and leave um it was, it was, free, the sentiment was frequently repeated by UC members that, you know, from the outside looking in like us, we're like, cooler heads have to prevail. This is your adults, figure it out. And people would, EC members were like, I had that same opinion. And we get in and I really had no idea how bad the IPF treated USA powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And each, during the call, each member that was on the call, which was all but two, spoke individually on what they thought because we, they, they thought it was important to hear from, for us to hear from every single one of them and not kind of just be, uh, this is our opinion. And every single person that spoke said that, that, that they thought we needed to leave. 
Wow. Even Josh? Even Josh. Josh was, I mean, I love Josh. We love Josh. Josh is green to the core. And he was, his sentiment was, I'm, I'm all for staying in the IPF, but we have a clash of values here that are irreconcilable. Sounds like the patient. I mean, Larry seems like one of the most patient people, you know, I've met, you know, right alongside with Ian Bell, you know, he seems like <laughs> calm, cool, collected, very patient, like a good, a good person when it comes to negotiations and working with people and uh, very, very presidential. And the fact that he sounds very frustrated, you know, might be telling us something, you know? Yeah, it's not good. I, so I think, I think the big takeaway for me was that it seems like they want to leave, but they don't really have a plan for international competition moving forward. So there a couple of ideas were thrown out there for that. And the, the only viable one was, in my opinion, not a good choice. Mm-hmm. which was to join world powerlifting. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm there's there's a whole that. litany of issues with that. And yeah. one of them is they only lift raw. They only have, they, they don't, they don't have equipped lifting. Yeah. That's yeah. an issue. Yeah. That's a big issue. But well, that's, I mean, that's the only semi even viable one. And I don't even think that's, that's good. No. Well, besides that, I mean, what, what would the other options be like? We hold our own meet similar to the Arnold and extend invitations for international lifters, and that's kind of like make a big I, contest out of it. I guess. And it's I like mean, a showdown type of <laughs> Yeah, they open. didn't really talk a whole lot about that. I think the Two White Lights podcast definitely had a lot more information on that, but I assume that's what they would try to do. Yeah, and it sounded like, you know, a lot of people think like that. What's the value in international competition? We can just hold these meets where all this money that's getting funneled to the IPF and WADA, we could use this money. We can still increase membership and use this money to um, hold, like, a series of pro meets or national champions are getting um, $10,000, $20,000, whatever. I mean, I'll just say right there, like, I could give a shit less about ten thousand dollars to win nationals i'd rather i'd rather be a cuck and go compete like internationally because to me like it's important to lift against the best lifters in the world once a year rather than to just be closed-minded and they think that the sport's all about money like i've always equated powerlifting to like other sports that are you know other individual sports that are on the international stage, maybe they're in the Olympics, maybe they aren't, but a lot of those athletes are not um, making money from those sports. Uh, you know, maybe the best are like Michael Phelps, but for every Michael Phelps, there's a hundred, you know, other people who are just in there because they believe that they want to, you know, see where they stack up against the best athletes in the world. And when they're done, they're done. And they could just look back on that and not worry about if I made, you know, X amount of money while doing the sport. And I'm, I'm kind of in that, I'm kind of from that cloth rather than worrying about a series of pro meets where we can win money, you know? I mean, what do you think, Ian? You're, you're one of the, the highest caliber lifters that, that we know. I mean, you go to the Arnold, you do the pro deadlift a lot. You make, you do some of these cash meets. If, if the USAPL did evolve into something like that, where you can make 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 at a few meets a year, like, does that, in your mind, have any it give you the same close? satisfaction. The same satisfaction. I mean, no, no, not even close. I mean, it's great. 
to like win some money out of me. Like that's we need fantastic. both. But um, no, like I got into the sport to win world championships. Like that's been my goal since you know I realized that that was a possibility for me, and that's what I do it for. And the sport has never been about the money. Like it's just about loving the sport and trying to compete against the most elite competition as possible. And I think that's what makes it legitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of problems I see with these kind of statements um, from people in the U S and a lot of the raw lifters. It's like, number one, you know, there's a lot of problems with, um, you know, all we know is a USAPL, but I know from talking to a lot and I know Ian knows this is that um, guess what? There's international lifters we compete against who get paid really well to compete against us at IPF worlds. What are they doing that we're not right? Why are their top level lifters getting the support? Um, and we're not, you know, just cause we're the U S and we don't have any federal funding or whatnot. Like I think there's a lot of money in the sport. There's a lot of money domestically. Um, you know, if you read the financial supports, there's a lot of money that goes to the people who run the fed um, a lot of money that comes in from sponsorships. Um, I think things could be changed. Membership fees can be increased. More support can be given to, yeah. you know, those the small amount of athletes that are going to Worlds. And you know, a lot of the problem has been like if you're gonna if you're gonna financially support Ian Bell and the Open Raw and Equip teams, um, then guess what? The juniors start to complain. The masters start to complain. It's always been in my opinion, too democratic. Like I've said this when I've coached lifters at Northeastern, like, guess what? Powerlifting is not democratic. Just because one kid gets really strong and becomes the best lifter in the team doesn't mean you get to, too. It's not, it's not a fair sport. And, uh, you know, there's no room for that in powerlifting. Unfortunately, I think we have too much of that here. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of the, the other teams, they have it both ways. They could compete internationally and they get to make money too. And now we're acting like it has to be one or the other. And I think it's silly because we're not trying to um, make changes within to like be like the better teams out there. Um, we're just trying to, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what our message is. And I, and I also like on the drug testing thing, like one of the huge things is that, you know, I guess the USAPL took offense. The first thing on that um, assumptions letter was that it's kind of, horrible for the IPF to assume that because we don't do third-party testing that our officials are cheating or helping lifters cheat or not doing drug tests correctly and I think yeah maybe that is offensive but also like if you were looking at a system say like with the Russian IPF team and they had a system like we do we would be saying the same thing right so we, we would be like oh yeah oh so some Russian referee tested Yuri Belkin and he passed yeah right that's what we'd all be saying right so just picture it from their perspective. Have an open mind. I, I, you know, we said this on the last spot. I mm-hmm. think it's a bad system. We shouldn't be doing our own drug testing. So like, I think there is value in looking into how other nations are doing this, complying. Um, you know, maybe Russia is not a good example, but Canada and Norway, Sweden, some Scandinavian countries who are or have a history of being clean, supporting their athletes, and being successful internationally. So. I don't know. That was kind of a long thing, but I, I I just feel like the USAPL is just missing an opportunity here. Yeah, it's a good point, and I think I think what what one of the things that Larry kind of spoke a little bit about is that he wants to have control and be able to 
use data to pick out people to test and people that are suspect that hang out around other people that are suspect and kind of be able to choose who gets a test. Um, you know, in the IPF system, is there any way for there to be like an anonymous tip or to kind of put people on a list or is it completely no oversight at all from the USAPL? Do you know how that works, Scott? So the, the IPF rarely does any testing at meets anymore. I don't know if you've caught mm -hmm. on to that. They, they, yeah. they hardly do any. I think the, the last figure, don't quote me on this, was like I think 3% or something like that at the meet. Um, they try to OMT people. They try to catch them leading up to the meet, which, which makes sense. And I don't know what they do abroad, but I know for every Worlds I've done, I've been OMT'd by the IPF. Mm -hmm. leading up to the meet and i mean whenever we i think it's i mean we pay a doping fee as part of our team fee yeah i think to the ipf to help offset that cost but i don't know if they do that everywhere i mean the i think you can still i think you can go back and look like the ipf publishes their their drug test list right with details of an in meet out of meet the location all that so but if my memory serves, it's definitely not everybody going. To the well, I think, Scott, for a couple of years and more recently, they like blanket tested our entire team um, yeah, prior to any meet. So OMT. So like just being from Massachusetts and some meets, we'd have like me, Cup, Kelsey, Monet yeah. and Cody. Right. So five people in Massachusetts and like whoever was the first one you know, you would get a message like they're here and then they just like, it'd be like Blitzkrieg. Like we'd all get tested within 24 hours because they fly up from Atlanta or wherever that WADA service was and um, test yeah. us all, which is fine. But I think it was at that point where they were actually hoping there would be more U.S. failures so they can suspend us. So I think we got tested more than other countries leading up to meets, which is part of, I think, which is creating this whole hostile environment between like Larry and the the IPF because it's been like that for a few years yeah. now. You know, you know, you remember like a couple of years ago the drama was that like you know we had somebody pop for blood pressure medication and Jamal Brown or pop at the Toronto Super Show and then if we had one more we were gonna pay a hundred thousand dollar fine and be suspended like we were basically gonna be like Russia after the whole water ruling and everybody thought that was ridiculous because you know our our feeling is that American lifters who lift in the USAPL are clean and that's mostly because we have untested lifting here. So there is a choice. Um, so we, that's that's, yeah. you know, so I don't know. I think that's why we've gotten so many OMTs, but I think the numbers overall are pretty low and that's yeah. internationally. And that's part of Larry's gripe. But I, I think Alex, to your yeah. question is like, it's more about the logistically, like if we wanted to continue testing the same amount that we test, but be in compliance, like logistically, how does that even work? Like even if we raise the money up, like we can't, we still wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, right? Think, There's not enough resources. Yeah. But I think just to your original question, like the Canadian lifters say they, they give anonymous tips to like CCES or CAS or whatever. Okay. And like, yeah. I mean, we talked about this Scott the other night, like when they fucking the gangsta shit they did to Kelly Branton. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they, they tested him like right after the Arnold he passed and then two weeks later they tested him again and he popped for everything under the fucking sun. So that was some gangster shit. Like I'm down for that. You know, that's the yeah. shit I want to see. So I don't know. Ian, like I'm being curious because like, um, 
like I've talked to Alex and I talked to Scott and I feel like we're kind of like scabs. Like if USAPL is a union and they believe in their own drug testing, like we've actually publicly said like, you know, third party testing would be good. You know, what do you think about everything going on? I mean, the way I look at it, every other sport, at least sports that are associated with the IOC, like they have to do their drug testing third party. So if, if everybody else is doing it, if a lot of these countries that are participating in powerlifting are also doing it, I don't see why we need to be different in that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels like if, if everybody's playing in, you know by the same rules, then why shouldn't we play by those same rules? Yeah. I mean, to play devil's advocate, though, I mean, a lot of people think that some of these other sports are dirty like specifically oh yeah there's rampant drug testing issues but you can't you can't fix the problem by just removing yourself completely i think you know i think you have to be in the sandbox to like you know help influence the rules of the game yeah and don't get me wrong i think third party is definitely the way to go but yeah it it would be good if there was some perfect ecosystem of drug testing waiting for us on the other side but unfortunately there's not you know is that like what larry and the USAPL have been trying to do is to make some sort of hybrid. I mean, that's basically what we have been doing, right? I mean, to have some hybrid where we fill in the gaps and inefficiencies with the, uh, the WADA, the WADA testing. Like I don't, I guess that's, that's the crux of the argument, right? Yeah. Well, that was the initial compromise that was, this is what was told to us. And even in the two white lights podcast, this was the initial, initial compromise from the uh, USA power things, attorneys to the IPF was, will comply at the regional and national level to the T, but we own local still. And apparently they accepted that. And then Larry said, they came back and said, they reneged on it and said, nope, we're not going to do that. You have to comply at all levels. And so from the, from the USA powerlifting's perspective, it looks like the IPF is negotiating in bad faith on that because they have just arbitrarily changed their mind on what they deemed acceptable in negotiations. That's another reason that the executive committee who's been dealing with this in and out is just kind of fed up. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And that's, that's the main point, right? That's like, that's the whole, the whole argument to leave. Is you guys that, didn't even talk about trans lifters the other night. Uh, no, not really. Um, the, the TUEs and stuff. Yeah, the, the two main difference, the two main issues are the not being able to test at the local level. I come by, nature of complying and no TUE control. So the we, the USA powerlifting wouldn't know who put in a TUE. They wouldn't know who was approved for what at all. You would have no idea about anything. They wouldn't know who was drug tested before a meet. They wouldn't know who was OMT'd. But if they send somebody to Worlds and they fail, they get fined. Yeah, that's kind of tough. Yeah. And we can't do any extra testing to try to clean up our own systems. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like for you, for a you while could, you could pay for a uh, uh, CCES OMT. Yeah. Yeah, so I for a while, Scott, maybe? like you were mentioning the WADA yeah. OMTs we were all getting. Yeah. Right before that, there was a period of time where and you know, like I was saying a couple of years ago where we were at risk of being suspended, USAPL took it upon themselves to drug test OMT every single lifter for every single world team down to from sub junior to master 4. That's why your team fee went up to pay for that analysis. Yep. So that that's how that originally started, and that was as a safety net, which I think wasn't yep. a bad approach. Um, it was annoying, but like you know, 
Mitchell Fountain popped. Blake LeHou smoked some pot. You know, there are some things that <laughs> came out of it <laughs> that good or bad, I don't know. But, um, you know, it happened and it worked a little bit. You know, they got all they got old Bill Helmick, you know. Yeah. Um <laughs> for us to to implement <laughs> for us to implement that, I mean it's been it's been like a big talk. I mean a lot of the noise has been, hey, like it's gonna cost so much more money. But I mean like I, I in my opinion, the the yearly membership fee is quite low. I think the majority of people are spending money on a specialized powerlifting gym, powerlifting mm-hmm. coaching, supplements brand new SBD knee sleeves, a $250 belt, all the shit. I think people could afford like $195 a year, something like that. I, I think mm-hmm. most people would still pay that. What like what are the dollars and cents to actually like if we wanted to try to pay for this and foot the bill and and kind of change the dynamic, like what would it take? I mean, I don't remember the exact figures, but it's it's quite a lot. And the reason I, I didn't commit the numbers to memory is because it doesn't matter. The, if in a perfect world, if we had $40 million and it was just money, we're only allowed, we were told that we are only allowed to use one testing organization. CCES, right? Yeah. Apparently we can't use USADA anymore. I don't think they, they like USA powerlifting. So we have to use CCES. We have to use them. They're the only people that we can use. And they're not equipped to handle our meat. So if we had all this money and it was just a matter of money, they don't have enough people. They would have to hire so many more DCOs, get them trained up. And then, but that's not going to happen. Like I said, in the Two White Lights podcast, Larry talks about how our drug testing demands are far more, like far larger than any of these testing organizations ever envisioned having to service because like what do they do for mlb they just go out and do a couple people here and there or track and field and we and we have to split time with all of those other organizations that have way more important events going on like the indoor track and field championships is probably gonna be way more popular than raw nationals sorry mm-hmm. you know so it's not I, that's why i didn't commit them to memory it's it's because it's i mean even if we because we could raise money right we could raise memberships of 300 dollars yeah. and still pay them but without them agreeing to flex up their organization for us. Mm-hmm. Which is well, maybe we like, should stop running thousand fucking lifter meets because if you go to us track nationals, there's not a thousand fucking anybody who wants to run the hundred meter can sign up, you know? And, and I think that's part of the problem of the organization I, first I, yeah. and foremost. I, I kind of want to play devil's advocate there. And I, I do think the inclusivity of powerlifting is good and yeah it's great but i mean like yeah like local meets and regional meets regional meets and all that stuff but yeah i think nationals perhaps you know you could i mean they they're trying to i think i mean uh, with with covid and all that we kind of were planning on kind of keeping things a little bit smaller and i think increasing the qts and you know we don't have too big of an issue with it at, at open nationals right so like I think like they're trying to do that a little bit and it's not as out of control as it was like a few years back. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think- but it's still like just the pure number of meets we have going on. Like some weekends yeah. we've got 21 meets across the continental U S yeah. that do they have 42, one male, one female doping control officers that they can fly out there for that meet. And then you but isn't fact- that a moot point, Scott, if it's a local meet, it's not going to be. Well, I was just saying acid. like, if we were talking to, to 
yeah, yeah. we're talking about like if, if we, we had, had unlimited money, money. Mm-hmm. to really just comply because we, we want to do local testing, right? And so let's say we had unlimited money. Right now, we're, we are being told they don't have enough resources to support us in, in that, even if we had the money. So it's two problems. Yeah. Yeah. So even if we had unlimited money, yeah. if we wanted to keep kind of the it, idea of having drug testing on all levels and a large amount of it, it, it would be logistically we're fucked. Yeah. 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 And so one, one idea I had, but one, one thing that whenever to fully comply with the, the WADA code, we would have no control over um, suspension time. So normally like we have a committee that can evaluate, you know, cases and normally it's just like a blanket four year. But I think if you can get your supplement tested or whatever and prove that it was inadvertent, you can get your sentence reduced. Right. And under the WADA code, if you just plead guilty after they've served you your test, you can get your sentence reduced. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one idea I had was if we can't test at every meet, let's randomize which local tests, which local meets we do test at. And so you don't know, like, are they coming to this meet? But if you fail, it's like an eight-year ban. You have to increase yeah. the the punishment if you're not going to test at all of them. So then you you um, strike fear. Discourage. You, yeah. You just, yeah, you strike fear and you discourage people <clears throat> because they're like, I don't know, are they going to come to this meet? But if you're pumping diesel and you go to a meet that they're there, you're out for almost a decade. But we Yo, don't how have about any- this? How about this? Instead of um, instead of that, how about we just make everybody piss? And you don't know if your piss gets tested or not. <laughs> no, you all piss. You all piss in a trowel, and yeah. if one person fails, you all fail. yeah. You all piss yeah. in one entire, bucket for every meat. You just you get the like, whole meat to piss yeah, in one bucket in a trowel. And if if it pops, everybody pops. It's like Full Metal Jacket. It'll probably be diluted. But. Yeah, it's like Full Metal Jacket. Everybody suffers for your mistake. <laughs> I just like <laughs> everybody pisses in a cup, but you just don't know. It's like Russian roulette, you know? I think we're onto something here. I think we just figured it out because that's one test to test an entire meat. And that's not... That's economical. It's not against, you know, IPF. <laughs> it's, not in, it's, not, it's not out of compliance if you don't actually test it. It works. <laughs> so we just want everybody to piss. Yeah, no, it just stacks, and then we, we it just just stacks up on the, on the rampant sexual harassment yeah. that's plagues the fed well you know how with like ph strips they have like different colors you just look at the piss and you you see what color it is and then you smell it we train like dogs you know we can train we'll train dogs molly the drug testing dog and we'll just have them walk by the piss and like it's not really an actual test but then we'll know and then we can send in kind of a a a fucking request (laughs) to get that person tested for real well, I want to talk about something serious. I've been, I've been, you know, I've been on the, I've been on the down low doing my own investigation. So number one, I think, you know, at least, you know, excluding Alex, Alex is our gracious host, but the, the, the three of us have been to a lot of international meets and I think we're kind of probably by the numbers, we're like the scabs. Like we, we want to stay with the IPF because we've been there and we see the value in international competition. Like nothing gets my blood going, like looking yeah. across at squirrel master rap and Kono once a year, yeah. you know, like I need that in my life or it's not worth it for me. Um, but another, and I've talked to a few other elite lifters who I won't name drop just cause I don't know if they want their opinion publicly stated, but I think a lot of lifters who are like world team regulars or have won world championships or trying to feel, uh, win world championships feel the same way. 
you know yeah. you know it's like the the hate for the ipf is coming from ec members who don't compete or raw lifters who don't care and i to another degree i think equip lifters care more because our competition is is overseas there's not a lot of competition here you know like yeah. when ian shows up to nationals he's not like shaking in his boots about it's it's kind of like a it's a stepping stone it's a stepping stone to get to worlds and then you know ian Ian, Ian's weight class internationally is one of the most competitive groups of athletes in any sport. It's insane. And, you know, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to it, but we don't care. That's just what we want to do. Right. Um, so I think the equip lifters even feel more strongly about it because the raw lifters want to, they're the lifters who just want some money and more Instagram followers where we, we could give two shits. We're, we're the smooth brains, but also in raw, it's like, Oh, we're the U S like we're the best. They're the best. We're the best anyway. So if we leave, like, you know, they better call it, they better call like not try to call our bluff because you know, we'll just leave and then they'll be fucked. The American equipped lifters were hungry. Like we're, we're, we're underdogs, you know, like we don't want to give up now. You know, I think that's, so I've seen that kind of separation and also this completely different topic, but I've talked to a few people who are referees and just the fact that our drug testing standards vary by personal preference is bad. So like I talked to a referee who's like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but like if I'm drug testing you, like I'm watching the stream leave your body, right? And yeah. I'm like, okay, I've been drug tested like 30 times, maybe two times the referee is like, yeah. I need to see the stream. There's actually been times I've gone in the stall by myself and filled the cup. Yeah. You know, like not draws to your ankles and touch your toes. So I'm just saying, like, I think I think just on that fact alone, like we can't continue to just keep doing drug testing the way we're doing it because it really depends on the referee giving the test and like how easy it is to manipulate or cheat the test. So I mean, just that alone, if you just talk to a hundred referees in USAPL, you get a 50 50 split or probably even worse of who's doing it to the letter of the law, which I think if you, you know, if you've been tested by a water, water officer, they're going to look at your dick. Yeah. You know, boy, to, let me see your dick. Trying to catch the fake dicks. <laughs> yeah. They want to see the fake dicks. Want- <clears throat> what do they have for girls? Do they have shit for girls? Can you like shove, tuck something up in there and like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do they have that. It. I think they have that. They probably have some like an oil change might be easier for a female than a yeah because like even if you look in there like and they're sitting down you probably couldn't even see it yeah they definitely I, have that. I used to work at a research clinic where we did drug testing what's people. that called I can't the remember. dick is called a whizinator because I think that's the <laughs> brand because I remember there's this kid in my high school that like he'd always the, get drug tested for like probation or something. And yeah, that, that's the fool your PO. Yeah, he got yeah. caught with one. I think he like he was a white kid and he had like a black one or something. He had a black <laughs> whizinator. Yeah, you gotta buy the right color whizinator. But I also <laughs> think there was there was a case of like um, getting bad bad samples. Like if uh, you're not paying it, you're not you're not doing it to the letter that. Um, Russian lifters were had a gauze pad taped to their stomach that had bleach on it, and so they would touch the gauze pads, then put their finger in the cup, give the sample, but the sample would be destroyed. And so they couldn't fail the test. And that was happening a lot. And actually an American lifter was doing that in 2012, Kenny Rubin. <laughs> and uh, the only way they got him is when he was on his way to nationals, they um, asked him what time his flight came in, and someone friendly was like, hey, what time did your flight come in? And they were basically waiting for him when he got there and so he couldn't be strapped up with his little bleach kit 
and uh, he pissed hot. So, I mean, that stuff happens internationally too. But so if you're not, if American referees aren't enforcing that to the letter of the law, looking at the sample, you know, be deposited into the cup, then we can't continue with this this way of testing. I just think that was an interesting point that uh, that I've seen. And then when, when I've actually talked to people about that, it makes me jog my memory that like every drug test I've ever done in the USA pill has been different. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean that's a good point because like the whole thing is about local level testing, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you gotta think about who's doing these tests at the local level. I mean, in Texas, a lot of the people doing the tests are college kids. Yep, yeah. it's crazy. Officials, these aren't these people's jobs. And a lot of them, this is the first time they ever did a test because they're like new state referees or something yeah. like that. Yeah, we have so North. You know, we have the northeastern yeah. kids become referees and then they're doing drug testing. Drug testing. They're twenty years old. They know what powerlifting is for twelve months. Yeah, I had one referee. He, uh, you know, he he looked at my dick, and then he, you know we were hanging out with me and Luis, and he was like, "Oh, who's is bigger?" And he he, he was like, "Yeah, Luis oh is bigger." <laughs> you know, that's unprofessional. You know, it's a it's a fucking true story. He's like, yeah, up. yeah. He was watching me pee. He was like, "I've been waiting for so long to see this little thing." I was like, "It's not that small. Come on." Speaking <laughs> of Luis, you got a new beard, man. Come yeah, on. I got the Louis. You know. Got the Scott, Louis. what do you think about the Luis beard for Babel? I think we're all going to get the Louis because Louis w- refuses to be on the pod because he doesn't want to comment. You know, he doesn't want to comment. So I got to be the spirit of Luis, you know, for him. And what I'll yeah. say is if we do leave the USAPL, it's bullish for audio spectrum. You know, if we're going to be putting <laughs> panels and running big leads all over the place, you know, buy stock and audio spectrum. Luis doesn't want to be on the pod because he, he's not a scab like us. He's USAPL to the bone. <laughs> But to buy audio spectrum NFTs, are those yeah, yeah, exactly. You have a video wall of open nets. So anyway, I think I think for our listeners, the whole point of this emergency pod is that um, expect uh, expect an announcement soon that we are yeah. we're not going to be part of the IPF anymore. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. <laughs> I mean, to get back to Scott's point, I think like we we went off tangent and we started talking about mixing all the P together, but. You know, I wanted to comment on what you had said about making the the, the punishment a little bit harsher. I, mm. I I 100% agree with you, and I think there should be different categories uh, of what you fail for, right? If it's like something that, like maybe it was a prescription and you didn't get a TUE or something like that, and it's not anabolic, then there should be one category. But if it's something that's straight up anabolic steroids, um, I think it should be lifetime. I think that's the only way people have really, been saying that for a long time. I think that's the only way you really the the penalty is that harsh that you wouldn't think, you know, you know, even consider yeah. it. Yeah. And the tainted supplement thing, I mean, it's it's really tough to say, but I mean, Joe, you you've taken supplements for a while and you've never failed for it. And I think yeah, it's, it, a think worn it, out it's a story. it's a fucking loophole, you know. If John Jones says that or somebody in the like, you hear these stories and it's like the fishiest bullshit I've ever seen. There's so many options for supplements, and honestly, like, what the fuck should you even be taking these days anyway? Like fish oil, fucking vitamin D, creatine. Maybe you want some caffeine in your pre workout. Like, I mean, you're not gonna get pop taking Quest shit. I hope, you know. No, you're not going to pop taking question. I've always said that. Like, I don't think I, so. I, I, feel, I don't feel bad for anybody who, like, if you're taking some stupid, weird brand supplement, yeah. that's on you, and you should serve your suspension. I mean, is what it is. And it, it just creates this environment where lifters get reduced suspension. Like, yeah. um, 
you know, wow. David Coimbra from yeah. Brazil yeah. popped for, you know, I don't remember what it was, but he said it was like something from a supplement his yeah. wife was taking yeah. and he actually got his, his suspension re- reduced. And I'm like, this is complete like, bullshit. It's like, you know, like back when I was in high school, you know, before I even thought about lifting and all that shit, like you'd go to GNC and you try to find the sketchiest looking supplement, <laughs> you know, you're like, this is probably the good shit. Like if it, if it's got yeah. like. If it's got testo in it or like var at the end or like ball something like testo ball 5000. If you're buying the Gaspari supplements, you're in trouble. Yeah. If it's like you see like a picture of Kai Green or Jay Cutler on it, you're like, this might be the good shit. Or if it's like behind the glass counter and you have to have someone unlock it. It's in the box. Yeah. And it's like rhino, like rhino hard, you know, or something like, I mean, that might have not been for bodybuilding, but like. You kind of know, like you're not like it's bullshit. So like, I really think lifetime is something. It should be considered, honestly. I think it would help a lot if we're if we're testing less, especially. Complying with uh, the water code would remove that possibility. Yeah, yeah we can't make up our own ENC suspension and lengths. You right? the, we can't make up our own suspensions. We can't no, fucking come up with creative ways to combine the piss. No, so well, the, the, I mean, we just have to accept only testing at the national level, and so that's when Larry's big crux of this is, is well, it comes it comes down to are we going to be essentially an untested federation? Yeah, well, and it so, seems like it seems like not like we are spending a lot of time on like hypotheticals and testing and what yeah. the issues are, but like really like what I want to talk about with you guys, and it could be your opinion or just your thoughts. Like, what's next? Yeah, and what's next for like athletes like us that are in the USAPL because at the end of the day, Larry is right. It's not going to affect 95% of the USAPL lifters. If there is no international competition, they can still enjoy the Arnold and USAPL nationals if that's what they want to do. And they still think that's the best place to compete, which I don't think it's going to work out that way. Um, Without the international association, I think it, I think it does hold some, some type of image and I think losing that image, a lot of lifters might now say uh, USAPL is equivalent to USPA. doesn't yeah. matter. Why don't I just do USPA? But anyway, I want to know what you think is the next step. Like, I'm concerned for myself. Like, I'm turning 33. I don't have a lot of meets left. I want to do a couple more world, uh, couple more chances at trying to win an equipped world championship as a super heavyweight, which I think is, you know, it's it's been a grand goal of mine. It's failed many times, but I'm still going. Like what's next for me? What's next for Ian? Who Ian's in the prime in his prime? He's a young man. He wants to go to another World Games, you know. Um, Scott, same thing for you. Like, wh- so what do you think? You know, you want to you want to try to win a World Championship one day. Like, what do you, what's the next steps for lifters who are banking on international competition? You want to go, Bill? Wobble? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like the- is that a Wobble hoodie? <laughs> Wobble. Shirts. Man, this it, is a it's a three X. Yeah, I got this when I was like seventeen. Someone gave you a three X Wobble shirt when you were seventeen. I Tiny Meeker. That's, took the, it tiny off Meeker. <laughs> That's the only size they come in, Joe. Wait, was it actually Tiny Meeker? No, it wasn't actually. He was at the <laughs> That's the first time I met Tiny. When I was seventeen, and my dad brought me over to him. He's like, "Oh, you got to meet this guy." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's the biggest arms I've ever seen on a human being." Yeah, it's turkey leg. Yeah. So Ian, what's going on in your head, man? Well, I think that's the difficult part because I no nope, nobody knows 
right? So I don't know if NAPF is still an option, like if that becomes like an affiliate or a regional affiliate, then we can do that. Um, but what whatever the thing is going to be that gets me to Worlds, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I feel like something's going to fill the void. Yeah. Um, so whatever that, whatever that stopgap is going to be, whatever that federation or organization is going to be that allows me to get to Worlds or compete internationally, that's what I'll do. So I think there are some people like in the Fed. Well, Rob Keller is technically part of the USAPL, but he's really, is he the IPF vice president? So I, yeah, he's got some position in the IPF and he's, he's probably the only person um, with a high political position that thinks we should comply and stay in the IPF. Um, and I guess on the call, he wasn't really treated very fairly, but I've known Rob for a long time. Um, you know, he might, he might be a penny pincher when he, when he runs meets and have a <laughs> reputation like that. But otherwise Rob's a super supportive guy of all the athletes here. And he's a real nice guy. And I've always loved, uh, talking to Rob and doing his competitions and stuff. And he was, he was our coach. You know, when I was first lifting on the world team, he was our head coach and, uh, he did a good job with me. A lot of people complained about him, but I think he did a great job. Um, but I think he would probably be the person that might start a federation so like this i'm just framing this all for a question for ian like if there was a different federation and it was there was a qualifier to get to worlds like say in july or august would you do it yeah i mean i'm doing it whatever is going to get me to world like i'm doing it so if usapo leaves and that's no longer the option to get to worlds then you know it's mm -hmm. it's not in my head anymore i'm going to do whatever that thing is that gets me there Big titty Mike fed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, big titty I'm, Mike I'm, has the has the horsepower. I think Rob has the horsepower. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying, you know, just any old Ian. Would you, know. you live for another country, or would you? Are you red, white, and blue? I mean, I love representing my country. I love doing that. But if I can't do that, then again, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to world. Yeah. So if that means representing a Belgium, Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands, right? Netherlands, yeah. yeah you were born there. Yeah. Good to know. You claim that. They'd yeah. love to have you. Got to talk to the coach. What about you, yeah. Scott? Japan? <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they would love to have you, too. <laughs> we'll we'll him. introduce you to the Terrible. team. You know him. Yeah, I mean, my dad lives in Italy. He's Italian. He's born in Italy, lives in Italy. Maybe I can live for Italy. I don't know. I, yeah. But uh, I'd, I'd love to live for the USA, man. But yeah. um, And I, I would hate to have to do an, an extra meet because I think yeah. I still plan on doing um, – USAPL nationals just uh, I, like, cause I don't know what else to do. And we're six weeks out. It seems uh, like it would be the safe thing to just do it just in case we're selected yeah. by some pool. Is there a process, <laughs> you know, would there be some process to select lifters from the United States or like, could, is there a process to lift, um, you know, without a country representation? Yeah, Can like, we white flag it? Yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you wear black or something? Like, <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, lifters have lifted at Worlds unattached before. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. Chinese Taipei lifts under, like, the, uh, like, Olympic flag thing. That's, like, just an agreement that they do. Yeah, like, when Russia was in hot water with the, in the Olympics and, and before, like, they weren't allowed to wear the flag. And yeah, stuff, we had you know? two lifters. Um, yeah, they still could wear their flag at yeah. IPF Worlds in 2016, though. Their, their punishment was not, not representing their country. It was, you could only send two. So Kono had to stay at home. They sent in Zarkin and uh, Fetty Wap, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, Ian got Ian got one in his weight class. I dodged one. Yeah. For World Games weight class, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious if there's a process for that unattached. Yeah. I think we'll see, man. I think um, we're gonna yeah we're gonna find out. But I think for the three of us, like we're kind of concerned. I mean, yeah, you know, we and it's kind of crazy, like the timing with the pandemic. Like 2020 was the lost year, and now we're moving into potentially second lost year. And it's funny, and I've thought about this from the perspective of other lifters, um, like Ian. I don't know if you recall Rondell Hunt like uh, a couple years ago was trying to go to classic worlds and their like national federation just like dissolved. And then like, he couldn't like, for some reason he just wasn't allowed to go to worlds. And like, that's like, it's terrible. Like I felt so bad for that guy. Um, the Lord, but now I feel, and I, I, I looked at it from perspective, like I feel bad, but like, Oh, it's great to be an American. Like we have this huge infrastructure here, USAPL, but it's fucking falling apart in front of our eyes. And it's just actually crazy. Yeah, maybe Elon Musk's right. This shit's a fucking simulation. Like, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, who would have thought? You know, who would have thought two years ago if if someone told you the situation we're in? What's your insight on what's next, Scott? What do you think? So, if I had to, if I had to guess, I would see one of three things happening. Um, scenario number one is. We secede from the IPF and do our own thing. And I imagine a new affiliate coming up within 30 days. Like there's someone is going to hop on that. They either gonna someone's gonna hop on it or the IPF is going to set up a an affiliate federation in the US exactly how they did in Australia whenever they outed powerlifting Australia from the IPF. Like they will support, they'll put they'll trust somebody. It'll most likely be Robert Keller, I would assume or somebody else and there will be americans at worlds or there will be a path for americans to make it to worlds in norway and belarus or whatever in the fall if we secede um, so that's option one option two is we don't secede and we fight it's an option we continue to drag this thing out which i think is probably the outcome that hurts the lifters the most. Um, and I say that when it's really not going to hurt very many, it's just going to hurt like the people that go to worlds, right? Which isn't very many people. And what the IPF would then do is then they would suspend us as a federation while we fight and take it to cast or whatever. And there will be, there wouldn't be a route to worlds because we'd be suspended. You can't just, they're not going to go set up another federation while one is currently suspended, right? They're not mm-hmm. going to do that. Yeah. So that one, that's a scenario that doesn't sound fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a third scenario is we stay and comply fully, which I don't think is going to happen. So scenario one is like the one <laughs> yeah, that's going to that, happen. That, so if if I had to speak purely as just trying to reconcile two groups of people. I, I have to think that scenario one is best in the long term, just because you have USA, like fundamental, like fundamental idealist USA powerlifting people who believe in local testing, who believe in what we're doing is right. The ghost of brother Bennett. They, they can't. Yeah. Yeah. The ghost of brother Bennett. They, they can continue to do that. 
and they're fun. They still offer a drug tested platform at every contest that can continue to happen. And people in primarily the raw lifters don't see a whole lot of value in IPF world as a whole because raw nationals pure mathematically is more competitive. Just clean cut. It is. And so the people who value that can stay in that organization and do that. And people that don't, that want that, that thrive, that actually desire international con- competition as their goal will just join whatever new organization there is. In USA powerlifting, if that happens, they're not going to punish people for lifting in both. They're not. Larry on two white lights said, we don't care where you lift. We don't give a shit. We're not going to check that. But the problem. Legally. Yeah, legally he wouldn't. But the the problem is, is whatever new affiliate pops up, if we leave, is going to follow everything to a T and will most likely suspend people who lift in USA powerlifting. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it might just end up being like a single ply fed, dude. Yeah, it could be. Be a fucking dream for me. Yeah, Yeah, it could be just single ply powerlifting company, and that's it. See, I'm a bit concerned, and I'm not concerned, like, personally, but I can see a situation where, like, lifters like us and other top-level lifters are, like, persecuted in public opinion for leaving USAPL so quickly and not being loyal to USAPL. And I've I've thought about this like ethically in my head, and the shit that I've seen go on in USAPL over the last fifteen years, and we don't have to get into it, but I ain't loyal. <laughs> I'm a hoe ass. <laughs> you know, like I can think back of situations where, <clears throat> like I'll 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 say one specific situation, like I told Rob Schmidt, this guy Rob Schmidt, he was a fucking pervert right on facebook and i start getting in trouble with ec like you can't do that right so guess what everybody figures out a year later that the guy's a fucking pervert <laughs> right and this guy was like high up in the fed like securing sponsorships and stuff like that and working closely with our leadership and like this shit went on for years where he's got like a bunch of teenage girls training in his fucking basement and shit and saying weird shit online and one time I confronted him in person and I got in a lot of trouble because he just stared at the floor because he was terrified of me and without being on Facebook and uh, I almost got in a lot of trouble and uh, you know I can't just sit here and watch people like sexually harass other people and just let it go on for years and I'm also I might be the one getting in trouble for this stuff it ends up the guy's banned for life from the Fed now. But, I mean, that's just one example, and unfortunately there's a lot of that shit going on. You know, also I anonymously participated in a safe sport investigation against a coach who had a history of not treating young female lifters appropriately. And uh, I was very surprised when um, for some reason a not, not enough – proof or evidence was brought against this person to suspend him and uh, I was very disappointed by that because I know things that happened and went on and I thought it was a horrible decision so there's an you know there's another example of things that I've seen that I don't have I guess like you know I feel like me and Alex were the first people to just jump on a podcast and say like yeah we don't think we should leave the IPF like this is fucking stupid but I also don't have the rosiest vision and opinion of the fed over the last 15 years like uh, and it's you know it's compartmentalized like i respect our president a lot i respect a lot of the people in the fed but also you know it's so large 
Mm-hmm. It, it's not, it can't be governed correctly. And there's a lot yeah. of shit that went on that I don't agree with. So if there is a time to leave, I don't give a fuck. And that, that's yeah. all I'm putting out there is I'll never look back. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's political though. I mean, like you can't, I mean, I, I, I don't know all the details of that, but I'm sure your point is that it's so big. It's hard for the president or the, you know, the, the my point is oversight. that, yeah, I think my point is that if anybody ever questioned like our loyalty, I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of reasons why, um, it's just not valid, mm. you know? I mean, my loyalty is to the, to the sport and to competition. Right. And like, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any loyalty to any federations. Federations come and go. Like, that's the history of this sport. So, I mean, my loyalty is like wherever I can get the most elite competition lifting mm-hmm. single block. Yeah. Like, that's where I'll go. I like that. Yeah. The high quality competition and fair, fair yeah, Ian, competition. He is right, man. USAPL yeah. had a good long run, but it's actually, um, actually not common to have a federation be around for 20 years um and be that international affiliate for 20 years because uh sometimes like there were times i think it switched every year (laughs) the name of the fed switched um so i don't know i think we're just at one of those decision points but i just think in 2021 the politics of the sport and the testing and all the other stuff is much different than you know the 1980s where it was just kind of like uh just flip of a flip of a switch and you can kind of do whatever fed you want. You know, wasn't the internet wasn't, you know, you can't see what everybody's doing and it's kind of, it's kind of the deal. Crazy times. Shit's fucked up, huh? Shit's fucked up. Coronavirus. We're out here. We're out here training. We don't know what we're training for. It's just a, you know, a train that's running and, Train, We're on it. Train to get fucking strong. <laughs> It'll pop Here up to be strong. Yeah, I'm going back to bodybuilding, guys. Yeah, Alex yeah. is retired. You see his I hate powerlifting t-shirt? Yeah, Courtesy of J. Mike. Yeah. Uh, you're oh, going to so go we, WPO with us. Yeah, yeah fuck it, dude. Yeah, yeah Ian's going to Wobdle. <laughs> yeah, Wobdle. Most spots. Yeah, we want to go spots. against Bob Merck. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, you can oh, have deadlift Bob. Bob Merck. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be, be sick, fun. dude. I mean, there was a point where we like our top lifters did that shit, but yeah, rub elbows with Debbie yeah. Dominga. It'd be sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, let's just hop on. Yeah, yeah. I have to go up against Hoff, dude. That sucks. Yeah, Actually, no, he's in your weight class, bub. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Merck's, it, he's a 275. Yeah. No, but Dave Hoff is 275. Oh shit! Or maybe he's three oh eight. I don't even know. No, he's three oh eight. He's three oh eight. Yeah, he's three oh eight. Nah. I mean, Scott, you're not three oh eight right now. Nah, man. I'm I'm lean. I'm lean. <laughs> I'm green and I'm clean. You eating some Cadbury eggs? A little, nah, a few less. And or? Easter's over. Easter's over. I'm just got hardcore in this cup. Then the Waterburger cup. This that, that's not a Dr Pepper shake. Nah, man. This is the the Waterburger Yeti. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. I'm saving my, my calories for when you guys come down and get those DP shakes. Yeah, so I think we've exhausted this topic. I think our main our main point of to our listeners is uh, expect some crazy shit to go down. Don't be surprised. And if you're hoping to go into Worlds for an, any age division, you know, 
then you Papa Johnson, you out there? Noah Johnson, you out there? You know, you might want to talk to your state chair, see what's going on. You know, yeah, um, everybody, you need to talk to your state chairs because I mean, it's it's a possibility. Like th- this could really happen, right? If let's say the decision is made to secede, and we do that, we still have an NGB meeting, right? And so I. What I've been trying to get done is I think that it's important to survey the membership on this mm-hmm. and it could really be boiled down to like two different questions based on values. They don't have to be felt like you don't have to tell them the whole story. They don't have to listen to six hours of podcasts to get yeah. caught up. You literally just ask what's more is IPF affiliation more valuable to you than testing at every meet five point scale strongly agree to strongly disagree. What do yeah. you value? You survey based on values, and then you don't just par- like parse comments on Instagram to get the pulse of the organization. You actually send it out to them, and you, I think you have to vote based on that. And so your state chairs really do have the power in the NGB because we're the far majority in that. And so yeah. let's say we leave, and everybody's pissed, and they actually start voicing a concern. A motion could be brought up to, insta- to try to rejoin them. Like we want to rejoin. And then in that scenario, I would see some, if not all of the EC stepping down because they, they obviously disagree with staying because they feel like it's selling our soul as an organization is what, the payment. What is the decision process for like, you know, we decide like Larry says, fuck, fuck the IPF. We're out. Like, yeah. is it just, is it, is it the EC votes or is it Larry or how, how does that even happen? There's no precedent for any of this. I think right now it's probably an executive committee decision yeah. and then there'd be some lapse of time between May 12th, which is, what is that, Wednesday? And um, and the NGB, which is on June 20th. Is there a subset? Say, Sorry, Scott, go ahead. I'd say the consensus among the state chairs is they want to be involved in this decision. Like the, the NGB want, as a whole wants this decision to come to a vote. I think they want their voice to be heard. They don't want to just get an email or see on Instagram, hey, we left. But I don't know. There's no precedent, so I don't know if that would happen. I think the consensus is that it should happen. There should be a vote, even if we have to hold it via Zoom or something. But there's no precedent mm-hmm. for any of it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess as a subset of that first option one, mm-hmm. is it possible that the split occurs internally in the USAPL that the USAPL divides into two, yeah, two so groups. We, t- we talked about that. Um, so USA powerlifting, I believe actually already has a paperwork set up in Alaska for uh, a nonprofit, like local level organization. Like that's already been kind of incorporated and stuff. The, the issue. And so the idea, I guess behind it would be, we would have local level organization running, you know, what we all know as USA powerlifting means. And then there would be a national level organization complied with, with the water code that would, I guess, extend invites out to people much like, I guess the current sends out invites to people from all over different federations and stuff nah. to come live in there. It's more like bodybuilding. It's great. I love it. You know, it's like yeah. the NPC and the yeah. IFBB. <laughs> You know, like you, you got to win the NPC nationals to make it to the IFBB. So you like it. And if you want to get to the Olympia, AKA world games, you got to be in the IFBB. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. You so got to win an IFBB one, show. So, yeah. 
No, you gotta you like, gotta qualify. You gotta get points. Yeah, yeah. you gotta win one of the big ones. You gotta win a pro. You gotta win the big one. New York pro, Toronto. So there's a Chicago. concern with that. Um, Brazil going that route. Um, it, even if we got over all of the logistical and organizational issues that would present because i assume in order to make that look legit we would have to have like a a completely different like two ecs two offices it would have to be separate right in order for whatever national organization was doing it to be like they're not us yeah you see what i'm saying yeah it kind of makes sense though i mean local meet you make it to pro like you get your pro yeah you get your pro card but there's a there's a concern that one, the IPF constitution can literally be changed at will. Like, look look at how these votes are passing and stuff. Every uh, executive basically had a unanimous vote because they ran unopposed, I think. Like, they could literally just change it. So if we did something like that, one, they could just change it and say, all lifters, you're drawing your national lifters. From, they could do whatever they wanted, right? Yeah. And that could be seen as trying to avoid the WADA code. And so there's a sentiment that we really don't want to be the test legal case for trying to run away for it. Like, well, it's, I think this, that's, right? I think that's far fetched. I think it's a good idea on the fed side, but then the, the changing of the rules thing you're talking about, like if you look into some of the IPF teams that get sent, like say like when Egypt had a team, yeah, try to find what meat they did to qualify. Exactly. It doesn't exist. They're handpicked lifters. IPF doesn't care. They just say, like, log into Goodlift by this date and type in the people lifting and their weights. Yeah, so I think if they were to target something like that to stop us from, like, a workaround, they'd affect a lot of other countries, too, which would just kind of cause a lot of of issues. They they need a whole lot of private investigation to even figure out what, you know. Yeah, they wouldn't know what the hell was going on. for. It would buy us a few years, I think. If it was a completely separate... Like you know, Fed, yeah. you know. So I, I don't. Th- I think that's why that option isn't being really kind of pursued aggressively right now. Yeah, I mean, but, it's a lot of legwork, but something yeah. like that I could see. You know, there being some sort of association between like common. Yeah, I guess like historically, people that have been in executives in the USAPL kind of stepping in, running something like that. That's a feeder program that doesn't on paper have any association but there is one issue though in the ipf constitution as written any sport organization that doesn't comply with wada testing prohibits you from competing internationally for a year Mm. as written so technically every texas high school powerlifting kid or wisconsin like that competes in that organization should be ineligible for nationals for one year after doing their last meet because it's they don't comply to water rules at it. So it's a sport. Yeah, I think that's an interpretation you're making. I think it's 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 hard to. I don't think you could penalize someone for doing something before they're ever involved in power. Oh no, they they can definitely do that. But so like if you play high school soccer and you don't, um, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a. It's just an extreme interpretation. I mean, I think every country there's people doing sports, you know, before powerlifting that probably aren't WADA tested. Yeah, they don't care, but that's one thing that could be, you know. It could be used. If, if they wanted to, you know, they're like, this is how USA powerlifting is getting around this thing, but this is on the books and we can use this to, you know, beat them over the head with it. Yeah, it's- I mean, we're in the spotlight. We have the target on our back. And so there's the concern that they would gun for us if we tried to try to evade it some some way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, I don't know, I, I'm interested in the polling thing, the polling of the members, Scott, because, <clears throat> you know, these lifters today, they don't even know who fucking Gene Bell is, you know? You think they know who Brother Bennett is, you know? No. You think they agree with the EC that we have to appease the soul of Brother Bennett, you know? Um, Maybe. I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of lifters that understand the full gravity of the situation do kind of want to continue the spirit of tested yeah. powerlifting where it's actually they feel there's actually a, a level playing field and it's actually clean. Yeah. I think I think the majority of members yeah. would feel that way if they understood the facts. Yeah, I mean, but, I've said a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, I've, I said last week, like, it's always been an internal conflict. Like, when I go to an IPF meet, I know that people are hot and you're stepping on the platform. And I'm sure Ian feels the same way. Like, you know people that you're on the platform with are pissing hot and they're not getting caught. And it's unfortunate, but it's a sacrifice we make because we believe in ourselves to a level of stupidity that is too, it's it's too stupid to break through, you know? (laughs) I guess that's why I feel differently about, I guess, compared to the majority of the organization, because, you know, I have a firm understanding that this is a drug tested sport and not a drug free sport. And so I can only control what I'm doing. I can't control what anybody else is doing, but you got to understand and accept that other people are going to be, taking shit and they might pass the test but you still got to step on the platform and compete against that person so what do you got to be able to live with it you know what i'm saying i think we all will be able to live with how we did it and hopefully we come out victorious but i think that's why you see and and people have studied this is why you don't see um you know a lot of american lifters when they win they smile they're happy there's genuine happiness and when you see some international lifters win uh it's more like business as usual and they, they're not as genuinely just like euphoric about it. Cause I think internally they know, mm. I think you could read people like we, we've always been able to pick people off the yeah. pick them off. Have we, has there anything we haven't covered yet? Or you think we should wrap this thing up? I think we should wrap it up. Maybe we can yeah, talk about we, like what Jay well, Mike's doing or something. You <laughs> well, know? We can talk about what Jay Mike's doing, but I figured <laughs> since we have Mr. Ian Bell on the podcast for the first time ever, you know, I think we have to ask him a special edition. Who's pissing hotter? You know, all this talk, right? All this talk. We gotta put we gotta put the man on the spot. You know, his first appearance on on the Spicy PL podcast. Yeah. So, you know, it's only it's only fitting. So, I mean, Joe, you got any for him? And we can we can start with the classics, but I think there might no, be some special edition we've ones. We've used them. We've used them up. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with um, Dan Bell versus John Hack. Oh, this one's easy in my opinion. Oh yeah, I kind of yeah. fucked up. No, no, no. Edit, edit, edit. Dan Bell versus the dude who whooped John Hack's ass. What's his name? Chad. Ooh, Chad. Yeah, Chad Penson versus Dan Chad Bell. Penson. Who's hotter? That's definitely more difficult. But I gotta go with Dan Bell. I mean, yeah. I don't know. This game He's looks a fucking like- legend of the game. You know, it's yeah. like my third cousin and everything, but I got to go with Dan Bell. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I got one. Go. Whose gooch is bigger? <laughs> Julian Johansson? Oh. Or Blaine Sumner? <laughs> Blaine, I think Blaine. Uh, I mean, we'll let Ian answer, but I think. The gooch size is evident in the totals. Well, the totals is one thing, but I mean, look at the gooch. 
Think about what their gooch looks like. How does, how does gooch translate to deadlift? Deadlift, big yeah. Deadlift is there. gooch strength. Yeah. You pull that from the gooch. Deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of gooch to pull nine conventional. It takes a huge gooch. Yeah, that's a big gooch. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go with Julian. That's big. Damn. Gooch. Yeah. I don't know. I think it takes a big gooch to take uh, out 500 keys. Maybe next time we see him, we'll ask him if we can do a measurement. I'm going to measure, yeah. Um, yeah. Look at the We're bodies science. of work. You might be able to get an angle in there and extrapolate something. Yeah. Yeah. I got one. I got one. Hunter Henderson or Mariana Gasparian. Oh man. <laughs> we got some so new I, ones I was, on the board. I was just I was That's just so hard. to Hunter Henderson recently. I didn't know who they were before. But um man, that's hard. I got to go with Hunter. I got to go to hunt with Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. What about Hunter versus One Punch Man? <laughs> what the fuck kind of question is that? One no. Punch Man is all natural. Yeah, so. one one no, One, one Punch one. Man was that lifter in the WPO. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh. That was, oh, that was one, one Punch man. man. Yeah. The One Punch Man. Yeah, that's man, yeah. that's me. I mean, we, should, I think we, we don't say, even we know her name. We shouldn't say who who it is. Yeah. That was too mean. I'm sorry. But there was a lift. WPO Super Finals 2019. She was she was completely <laughs> bald and like not. I, I don't want to say that she looked like a man, but she looked like One Punch Man, like the cartoon, because she was completely bald and jacked. Like yeah, she was jacked. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to make. Man, it's so strong. Yeah, yeah, she was strong as fuck. Like I wasn't trying to you know be a dick about it, but all right, we can skip that. I got one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I know you're What's aching up? to ask one. Yeah, lay it on me. Who's hotter, Scott Mendelson or Medina Spirit? <laughs> the horse. The horse. <laughs> I mean, that horse had to be so just jacked up on test with no Esther. I got to go with the horse. The horse? Yeah, Medina for sure. Spirit. You think winning the Derby takes more diesel than uh, killing Absolutely. yourself with 1,100? I mean, how much do horses weigh? I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, that's no a one. lot of gas. Yeah, you need a, a higher dose. Who do you think like, brushes their teeth one. more frequently, Medina Spirit or Scott Mendelson? Oh, definitely the horse. Yeah, definitely the horse. Special toothbrush. So, uh, all right, man. Any any Texas edition ones? Can we do a Texas edition? Yeah, Who's yeah. Hotter? I got one. I got one. Texas edition right now. Blake Lehu versus Thomas Davis. <laughs> Malik Durstein. Oh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> that's that's a you question, Bill. That's a you question. Oh, I, I can't. You remember the current results? Oh, I oh my god. So I just want to go on the record and say that uh, I love both of those guys. I've known Malik for a long time. Uh, you don't have really, to answer, man. I'm really cool, Blake. You have to answer. I, I don't think I can. You definitely have to answer. Oh, um. All right, I'll I'll go with Malik. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude. dude, we had this the whole time. Dude, you had the soundboard this whole time, and we haven't the been whole time. It. The whole time, I was dude, waiting dude. for the right moment. Yeah. Scott's podcast <laughs> setup is better than ours. Okay, well, we'll be. I'll be okay. So you'll be here next week, but I'll be with Scott. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna be you're gonna be there for a week. Well, yeah, you're going to be there for a week, and then I'm going to show up on Friday, and then I'll be there for a week, 
as well. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do one the first weekend on and there. We'll get Bell and Bell will be there too. So we'll get maybe we'll do like um we should just do like an Ian Bell episode. Like yeah. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to do one there, I can call in. <laughs> just be the lone cuck. <laughs> yeah, I want to hit that fucking button. <laughs> there's a lot of buttons there's eight buttons we got buttons over there oh, damn yeah. buttons dude fuck dude we might have to let scott run the pod and just zoom us in every week that'd be sick it'd be so much easier for us <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great it's like scott doesn't sleep he's always got like 70 projects going on anyway yeah well well maybe we should just real quickly just talk about how fucking j mike still hasn't let up and he's just fueled by the we haters. gotta talk about j mike update what have you seen, Ian? What do you see down on the ground in, in Texas? I mean, it's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, he Man's just an keeps enigma. just keeps doing it every single. It, it's not even every week. It's like every day, he's doing it. Six hundred pounds, five sixty-two for four reps. I mean, I can't comprehend it. No, it yo, that's the mind. craziest thing I've ever seen is that he missed five sixty-two for five, and then like the next day, literally the next day. The next day. Hit it, and it looked easy, and I was like, yo, this man is on a permanent super compensation just tsunami. Like, it just can't. It's just going to crash. I don't know if it's going to crash. I don't know if he's a genius or or what. I'm looking forward to the documentary. (laughs) Yeah, now I've seen there's going to be a mini docu of his 300-kilo quest. I need Oh, what? I don't know. His stories today are... yeah. He's, he's, his shit's going on. It's hard to understand what exactly is going on, yeah. but it's going on. Jay Mike, we love you, but you know, one crit- criticism to maybe fuel you because you're fueled by the haters fueled and, by the, the hate. and the criticism is like, we don't understand fully all the time what you're saying. Like, like you said, 300 keys was loaded, Jay Mike, and then like we didn't see the attempt. Like, you, I know you would post we a want, miss. We so want to a make see a it. miss. We don't care. We want to see it. So, but he said the documentary is in the making. Like, are you like, is that like a saying? Or are you actually making a documentary? And that's why you're not posting it. Like, we don't know. You, oh. And then the other thing is like, you posted something about your elbow is hitting the, and then you put an emoji, right? The black hole. It was like a black hole, hole. or like a hat. And we like don't know what yeah. that means either. It's the hole. It's, it's the spot. He's hitting the spot. Hitting the spot. Yeah. I mean, I think he talked about that a little bit on the pod. So, funny story. Like, J. Mike posted a story like, I got my highlight reel. ESPN ain't playing my highlights, so I'm going to Fox Sports. And, oh, like, I think all, all of us as American sports fans, like, we get the reference. Like, when you're a little ho-ass sports broadcaster and you can't secure the bag from ESPN or – you just want to get that money, you just pop over to Fox Sports and you get the bag, like Skip Bayless, right? So I think Jay Mike was just making an analogy like he's he's got to try other avenues to, to get to get the, the clout he deserves, right? And so some Canadian guy messaged me. I was like, what the fuck does this mean? I was like, dude, I don't know if I can get you to understand this sports <laughs> reference, but like it makes sense to me. But also Jay Mike is like, He's on one right now. He's like speaking. He's like speaking in riddles and shit. Like it's crazy. Like I like it, but I wish I knew what he was saying. It's one of is one of a kind, dude. He's one of a kind. But I think the the benching is crazy. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand. It. Yeah, you don't. You don't need to. I think like he missed a huge opportunity with co- like prime COVID. People would love to watch J Mike on TV. 
Like whenever they were doing Tetris worlds in half Thor's backyard deadlift stuff, like he could have just sent in that tape and they've been like, this is awesome. Let's go film this guy skateboarding and hitting 600 yard drives. And yeah. Doing six- pool trick shots. Yeah. And billiards. yeah people, would have, people would have ate that up. And he Prime needs COVID like a YouTube drive. videographer slash editor and like, like a hype yeah. person that like knows how to put the YouTube yeah. clickbait shit together and have yeah. him do like a superset like Ben Rice, but instead mm-hmm. just like drive a ball fucking do a trick shot on pool and then like bench six in like 30 seconds. Yeah, he can be like a combination of like Juju Mufu, Ben Rice, Cali yeah. Muscle, like all these guys that like do the, or who's that crazy dude who like pounds the beers and does the crazy lifting? Uh, Yeah. Huck, Huck Finn, Huck Barbell. Finn, yeah. yeah, but like combine all those guys together and like J Mike could do, J Mike can do all that. Yeah. We need more. to find that man like an agent. Yeah, he does. It's it's incredible. I don't know. He's gonna Except for the guy that's his own agent. Like he would he would not yeah. let anybody else negotiate. Yeah. You know what I think is interesting is the mental trickery he played on himself. Like so he was like his goal was six sixty one, and like you know he was he was getting you know it, somewhere in between six and six sixty one, and one day he just flipped the switch and said, you know what, this goal is whack. Yeah, this goal is whack. My goal is seven hundred pounds. And then like okay boom bench six fifty, I'm like yo he's halfway there just by changing his fucking goal. It's like six fifty two. So like yeah if I just change my goal, yeah like from totaling twelve hundred kilos to totaling thirteen hundred kilos like I'll just all of a sudden total like twelve forty you know definitely because like I've just removed the mental block completely. I think that's that's one thing I noticed in the mental game that I need to work on. Yeah. Is J. Mike just has the blinders on? It just doesn't matter. Yeah, got the answers. <laughs> Change your goals, man. <laughs> like Ian, if you're like Ian's, like you know, I want to deadlift 400 kilos. No, dude, that shit, that's whack. It's just that was too close minded. Yeah. You're already too close to it. It's a thousand pounds. So then when you pull 926, like you'll still be mad, but everybody right. else will be like, wow, you know, they'll be yeah. sitting here, they'll be sitting on their podcast trying to figure out how you did it, you know. Like, Never be like we are right now. And, yeah, we'll just be scratching our heads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we, we we've kept you guys on for a while. It's a little, it's getting a little late here. <laughs> we got to go to work tomorrow. But yeah. I think this was a a well a well needed emergency podcast. I'm glad that Ian could make it, and yeah. it's always great to have Scott on. And hopefully, from we're gonna have many more to come. And yeah. uh, you know. You boys take care out there. It's a good quad pod. Good Thanks for coming on, boys. Yeah. Quad pod was episode 44. Does that mean anything? Oh, I don't quad, know. Quad, four, quad, four. Pod. Yeah, quad. Hit, the, hit, hit, the, hit the fucking yeah. siren for that. What that one? Episode quad pod, 44. Quad pod, quad <laughs> pod. Funk Master yeah. Flex. <laughs> All right, man. Later. Later. See ya. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>